Welcome to the Equine Veterinary Journal, On The Hoof. Hello, my name is Chris Neal and welcome to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On The Hoof podcast, which we aim to summarise a selection of accepted early view or recently published articles. In this episode, we review a paper accepted in October 2021 that looked into whether dexamethasone and prednisolone, both mainstays of ophthalmic inflammatory disease treatment, reached therapeutic concentration in ocular fluids and serum. Primary authors were Hanneke Hermans and Els van den Berg, who worked with a variety of other colleagues when carrying out the study at the University of Utrecht's Faculty of Veterinary Science in the Netherlands. Equine recurrent uveitis, or ERU, is one of the most common ophthalmic diseases in the horse, with a reported prevalence of 7-10% in Europe. Treatment is aimed at reducing inflammation, maintaining vision, and preventing long-term blindness, and includes topical corticosteroids, cycloplegics, and systemic non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Long-term topical steroids are preferred over systemic in order to minimise the potential risk of laminitis. However, human studies have shown poor penetration of topically administered corticosteroids into the ocular fluid, and scientific evidence of corticosteroid penetration in the horse is severely limited. Furthermore, no studies are available in the literature that directly compare prednisolone to dexamethasone, hence no evidence is available to the practitioner about which is preferential in ERU cases. The authors therefore compared the penetration of both commercially available topical prednisolone and dexamethasone into the aqueous humour, vitreous humour and systemic circulation in ponies at their hospital. They hypothesised that no differences would be present between the two drugs. However, the penetration into the vitreous humour would be lower than the aqueous. 21 healthy Shetland pony mares, mean age of seven and a half years, with no ocular inflammation, as determined by a board-certified ophthalmology specialist or resident, were included in the study. Ponies were administered either 1.5 mg of prednisolone or 0.15 mg of dexamethasone randomly into the left eye, with the other drug being administered into the right eye as a direct comparison. Drugs were given every two hours for a 24-hour period to mimic an aggressive ERU treatment regime at the hospital, resulting in cumulative dosage of 19.5 mg in dexamethasone and 1.95 mg pregnisolone in either eye. Ponies were euthanized at seven different time points following administration of the last treatment, with blood samples taken just before euthanasia. Three ponies were randomly assigned at each time point, given 21 horses were available to the authors, and paracentesis of the anterior and vitreal chamber was performed after euthanasia. All samples subsequently underwent liquid chromatography mass spectrometry analysis and the results analysed using a linear mixed effects regression model to analyse the outcome of dexamethasone and prednisolone on ocular fluid. Differences in prednisolone and dexamethasone concentration were analysed separately using a linear regression model with a normal distribution. Following administration, 95% of horses showed signs of conjunctival hyperemia associated with minor ocular discomfort, most commonly with ocular prednisolone. Therapeutic concentrations were reached for both steroids and the aqueous humour, with no difference found between the two. This is in contrast to the current literature in humans, where prednisolone acetate has better ocular penetration than dexamethasone phosphate. In spite of the risk of increased ocular discomfort following ocular prednisolone acetate, 
made more possible by the solution needing shaking for adequate drug suspension. The authors advocate that no evidence exists that makes one preferable over the other. Following on, steady state concentrations of both steroids were reached and plateaued for up to 180 minutes after the last administration, suggesting the dosage should be tapered following the first 24 hours. Samples taken at longer intervals would ideally be needed to clarify this. A wide variation in the concentration within the ocular fluid was seen between patients, with some patients having less than the stated 20 to 25 per mil therapeutic concentration of dexamethasone phosphate in the apius. Unfortunately, there is no information in the literature stating the minimum concentration of prednisolone needed for therapeutic effect although a similarly wide variation in aqueous concentrations was observed during the study. This may have been due to the inherent anatomical differences between patients, subclinical inflammatory disease, or differences in the actual dose administered. Although all these factors are likely to be minimal due to allowances made in the study, and are therefore likely a result of normal inter-individual variation. Importantly, concentrations remain below the detection limit in the vitreous in all ponies and at all times during the study. Therefore, topical steroids appear inadvisable in cases of equine posterior uveitis. Systemic absorption of both drugs was minimal, enabling confidence in giving them to patients at risk to the side effects of corticosteroids. A major limitation of this study is that the eyes used were free from ocular inflammation, hence not representative of the steroids use in clinical practice. Theoretically, inflammation may lead to disturbance of the blood-brain barrier and a higher intraocular concentrations in the vitreous humour. However, no studies exist in the literature that prove this. Further work into this area is therefore warranted and seems a natural follow-up to the study. Further limitations to do with the sample size and population especially given the inter-individual variation. To conclude, the authors have shown that the management of ERU and ocular inflammation should be tailored partly to the anatomical location of the pathology found. No differences exist between the topical steroids and treated inflammation within the anterior chamber. However, both are unlikely to be effective in treating posterior uveitis, and focus should be spent on using oral or subconjunctival methods of therapy. That concludes the review of this study, and many thanks for listening to this edition of the Equine Veterinary Journal's On the Hoof podcast. We look forward to welcoming you back soon when we review another of the journal's early access articles. Thank you for listening to this Equine Veterinary Journal podcast. More about the subjects discussed today can be found online at wileyonlinelibrary.com forward slash journal forward slash evj.